0: Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music, and anybody who might want to. The shut howdy, the howdy, friends, and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio, the amazing podcast that you're probably amazed when it appears. It's been a weird couple of weeks. Lots of lots of stuff going on. Believe it or not, I have been to six jam sessions in the last two weeks. So let that be some sort of, I don't know, let it be whatever you want, but um, perhaps a sign of light at the end of the tunnel. And we won't talk about the train, you know, (laughs) the proverbial train that is coming through the tunnel. Let Let me begin by saying I have achieved probably one of the one of my greatest life goals, uh, just this past week. And I'll tell you about that at the end of the show. I mean, they said it couldn't be done, but it was done. All right. First order of business, government jokes. First of all, the government has no sense of humor. Okay. I would like to make that very clear. I'm sure you know that, you know, any trip to the post office to buy simple, uh, pre-stamped postcard or so you find out there's very little sense of humor <laughs> and uh or, or that maybe maybe the state trooper who pulls you over he's not interested in a good one-liner you know it's just not there's just very serious very serious people <laughs> anyway i learned my lesson well i didn't really learn my lesson i'm sure i'll repeat this sort of thing but i've got this I don't know whether it's a, a sickness or a character flaw where if I hear the opportunity for a good zinger, I just can't help myself. I just want to do it. So I'm on the phone with a government and a representative of the government. And in order to transact this business, they asked me the following question. Well, there were a series of questions and I had to answer them over the telephone. Very nice lady and all that. But uh, the question, have you ever been convicted of a felony requiring your imprisonment for one year or longer? And I said, not yet. Dead silence, crickets. (laughs) And then I said, I'm just just kidding. No, the answer is no, I have not. just still silence and then uh okay question two (laughs) it's like these people are they're just not prepared for the possibility that a person might you know be relatively happy and you know still kind of in a sort of joking mood you know what i mean anyway it it was very weird and telling i think you know there's some sort of lesson in it the lesson that most people would say is don't joke whatever you do don't make a joke yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I Sometimes they just well up from inside and life wouldn't be worth living if I couldn't, um, you know, lay down. An, I mean, it's an obvious setup line. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, next thing, I already said jams are back. A lot of jams going on. Uh, it's, it's really wonderful, except I can't get them all into my schedule. And they're interfering with me putting out this fabulous podcast. And I feel guilty. You know, I didn't do the podcast. And, you know, there's some guy sitting down at that weather station in Antarctica waiting for the next Grass Talk Radio episode to come out. And I'm gallivanting around going to jam sessions. Uh, you know, I apologize. All I can say is I wish you were here. You know, we've, I have, um, well, I won't talk all about the jams because it's boring. You weren't there. You'd be bored. But anyway, seems like, you know, the beach ball effect is taking place. Uh, now I want to give you a an update on my mushroom farming enterprise. I've, I'm fairly certain that I talked about uh, mushrooms and inoculating the logs. And I told about the old tree and all that stuff. And that was back, oh, I don't know. I don't know when, I'm sure I have it written down in my logbook, somewhere of the date, or you could check the podcast, but you know, you have to be very, very, very patient with mushrooms. Also with growing saw timber, you know, you plant a little pine seedling and, uh, or seed and uh, how long until you can, you know, cut 18 inch wide boards out of that thing. You have to have a long-term view anyway I just wanted to update you on the mushrooms they just sit there and I water them you know got to keep that humidity up and I got them in the perfect spot I am seeing signs of activity in the logs because the ends of the logs are sealed with paraffin wax as are all the little plug holes where you you inoculate the mycelium into the log. Each one of those has a couple of drops of melted wax sealing it, you know, to keep out foreign invaders, other, other funguses, other bacterias and insects and things like that. So anyway, over time, you begin to see. You can see through that wax and you can see. There is stuff developing inside the log. The log is being colonized. By the way, I'm going to come back to this later. Why, why I think this is important. But you look at it. You, I pull back the burlap sack on top, and I look. Nothing happening today, except there's a little toad. He's made it his home. He, he sits in there because it's nice and humid and dark. and So he spends the day inside the, the, the rick. They call it a rick, where you stack logs, crisscross, and uh, you wait. You wait, and you hope, and you wait, and you hope. But all the meanwhile, the mycelium is colonizing. There's a lot going on in a mushroom's life that most people are not aware of. We see the mushroom pop up in the yard, and we go, wow, a mushroom grew overnight while I was sleeping. But that thing's been working on that. Potentially for decades. You just, you have no idea what's going on below the surface. And that's the concept I want you to hold on to here. Uh, Let's see. New topic, but I'm coming back to the mushrooms. History repeats itself. Last night I was at a jam. Instead of the usual Thursday night jam here at the barn, because the temperature and humidity was just so unbearably hot and muggy that one of the guys, praise the Lord, called and said, how about we have it out at my place? I just installed a new air conditioner. And by the way, this guy, his name is Charlie Sykes. He's the only, he was the only person I knew in Sumter County, Georgia, when I moved here 10 years ago, he was the only guy. And I only knew him because I used to see him at the Cochrane Bluegrass Festival. He was the only guy. So as soon as I got to town, I connected up with him, and uh, I didn't know any of this. He owns a golf course and an RV park, which is now a KOA campground. So you can look him up in your KOA campground directory. Look up Campgrounds of America. That's campgrounds with a K, (laughs) and uh, in America's Georgia. That's Charlie. So you got nothing to do this summer? Ride on down to the KOA, play around at golf, enjoy the beautiful uh, Sumter County surroundings and the KOA facilities. It's first class. Anyway, Charlie was the only guy I knew, and I knew him because he was a guitar player and a singer and played bluegrass. But I just want to say this in the off chance that Charlie might listen, which I don't think he does listen to the show. He's too busy mowing, you know, mowing from sun up to fall down every day, trying to keep that place looking beautiful, and it does. Anyway, Charlie's probably not listening, but if he ever does listen, I want to say thanks, Charlie, for suggesting that we move the jam from my barn over to the clubhouse at the KOA. So that's what we did last night. There we were, uh, I guess about 10 of us, and a couple of kids. Jackson was there, and Hudson and Hayes, they were running around outside, getting into various kinds of trouble and things you know checking out the weight room when they're not supposed to you know that kind of thing Uh, but it was fun we had a great jam and thank you Charlie for providing that beautiful air conditioning and also those oatmeal cookies those were very good too remember what I told you you need to think think in terms of snacks when you when you host a jam but Charlie Sykes who also had a bluegrass festival for a number of years, and he eventually threw in the towel on the bluegrass festival because there's only so much money you can throw down that hole in the ground and never get anything in return. And, you know, we appreciate the festivals, I think, nine or ten that he did put on. They were fun, but uh, it's all part of history now. But anyway, last night at the jam, I, I just felt like, some sort of weird deja vu moment was happening because one of the guys there is a guy named Adam. And he's been playing a couple of years. He plays banjo. He plays a little bit of mandolin. He saws on the fiddle and he plays with his grandfather in his grandfather's band, a band called Lonesome Road from up the road from us. Up on that Lonesome Road up there, It's I think it's Shudder shutter drive or something which is their last name around here a lot of uh, a lot of people have their own road or street you know if if uh mr shutters lives on that road well that road is shutters road you know you see that all over down here uh anyway just a cultural note there you know i'll bet if you went down to plains there's probably a carter road bet you anything i'll have to pull to Pull out the map and check, and I've renamed my driveway Laird Boulevard. Jackson says it's Jackson Boulevard, but anyway, you'll you'll find it on the on the GPS. You can see the driveway. They detected that it was some sort of a road. It's really just an old pig trail, but um, they they have it drawn on there, but with no name. But that's my road. <laughs> Who will build the roads? Yeah, me. Uh, although I didn't build that road. Anyway, so last night Adam is there, this young fella who plays the banjo. And uh, he had called me earlier in the day or texted me and said, Hey, I want to come out to the jam tonight out at the KOA, um, but I'm at work right now and I forgot to bring my, my instrument with me. You know, any chance you could bring along a mandolin that I could play? I was like, Absolutely. So, of course, I brought him the 1985 Flatiron F5 artist that I wore out for years. And I I just thought, I'm not going to take him some Eastman or something. I'm going to take him the Holy Grail, you know. Let him play that thing all night. And anyway, when we got done and we were wrapping up, he came around. He was talking to me. He had been to one of the jams out the barn where I was showing off that one, that mandolin that I had built recently and it just finished and he asked the question and it this is when the deja vu moment happened he said uh mr brad um if if i was to thinking about you know making a mandolin like that you know um, like any chance it, how difficult is it how long does it take what 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 would i need to do if, if i was to build a mandolin oh man he lit my fuse we talked for half an hour you know i'm i've got that flat iron laid out on the table and jackson's like dad we need to go i'm like oh, in a minute in a minute and we talked and talked and talked and i told him all about the you know first edition of the, the 1977 edition of the Seminoff book and how i built the first one we we talked and talked and talked and basically i've invited him over to look at a new uh back and uh back plate and top that i have just glued the slabs together and i only have a pencil outline of the top and back on there so it's at its very very early stages and the neck is just a block of wood i was like come over come over i'll show you all these blueprints and i've got photographs of everything i'll, I'll pull all the manuals out i'll explain the deal to you you know how you two can build one And that is exactly what I did way, way back when I started clawing away at the wood, trying to make a mandolin in 1982. Anyway, who knows? Might have just spawned the next Carlson or Weber or you never know. You never know. So anyway, he's going to come by and, uh, when he has some time and, uh, Pass some of that information along. I'll, I'm probably going to send him home with the books and blueprints and uh, let him study and read a little bit first. Uh, next thing, um, I was a guest on somebody else's podcast uh, just uh, a little over a week ago, and uh, I sat down and was interviewed. That thing is going to come out um, pretty soon. They're, they're much better than me at podcasting. They have them stacked up, you know, they're like eight or 10 episodes ahead at all times. So it's going to be a little while before it comes out, as I understand, Uh, but it will eventually come out. And, you know, we agreed to do what's known as a swap cast, which means, um, you know, one or the other party does all the recording and editing, but then when we release it, we're going to release it on both podcasts. So I'm just sitting around here waiting on that because I I'm, I was thinking, well, that's one less episode that I have to do. I can just take their recording and put it out on mine. So be, um, be watching for that. Because I was thinking, you know, over these 200-plus episodes, that is, of course, counting the bonus episodes, you know, I have dribbled out in little drips and drops throughout the whole thing, you know, basically my story. Well, here was a guy just, you know, grilling me and quizzing me from beginning to end. Of So if you want a more concise version of my idiotic bluegrass history, um, that will be the episode. And it is coming. I'm, I've been reassured that they're diligently working on that. So be on the lookout for that. And when I do put it out as a swap cast, I will... Give you all the links and all the information about their podcast and it's interesting i have listened to um several i think maybe three episodes that they put out there they're fairly new to this i think they're up to about episode seven or eight and i you know as a fellow podcaster i wish them all the luck in the world and so hopefully you will also become a listener of the chatty light podcast which I'm not even certain that it's up on Apple Podcasts yet, but that's the name of it, Chatty Light, and that is coming. Uh, and won't that be fun? <laughs> Sit around and listen to me yak about myself for a considerable amount of time. Anyway, it should be fun. Uh, next thing, now I'm going to get into what is the topic for today. And, you know, usually when I have prepared a topic for this podcast, Uh, I already have my conclusions. I've already arrived at my conclusion. And everything that I say is leading up to convince you that my conclusion is correct. And, of course, as always, you're free to disagree. But this one, I have not yet arrived at a conclusion. I don't know what is the underlying reason. I have some suspicions and guesses and theories and so that's all this is going to be so consider this just a little topic to consider and think about here's how it started last week i've i've well i told you that i put up a dart board out here and i'm throwing darts and we were throwing darts at the um during the jam sessions the last couple i've had a dartboard for 20 years but it it's usually just sitting in the corner of the garage or something but i got it out and i repaired the darts and jackson for uh, father's day i think it was yeah it was he bought me a nice set of brand new darts really nice and uh so we put the dartboard up and started throwing darts we're terrible just terrible i mean if we hit the dartboard we're feeling good you know And by the way, when I was over at the chatty light studios, they had a dartboard on their front porch and we got talking about darts and it was funny. He had his dartboard on the front of his screened in porch. And my first comment was because there were little holes poked in the dartboard all over the dartboard. I said, and some around the dartboard in the wall. I said, I can see you play just like me. And I pointed to one, you know, like 12 inches outside of the target like i see you play just like me he says no i play worse look at this and he pointed over at the screen like two feet away and there's like five holes like he jammed a pencil through the screen window screen he's like no trust me i'm worse (laughs) he's punching holes through the screen on the screen porch anyway here's what happened it was hot we walk out to the barn jackson and i I said, Jackson, you want to play me? He's like, nah, it's too hot. And he just sat down in a chair. I'm like, come on, Jackson. One game. Let's play. Nah, I don't feel like it. And I just huffed and said, all right, fine. I'll play by myself. And I took the first dart, standing at the toe line. Whew. Double bull. I mean dead center in that target. And Jackson's eyes kind of got wide. And I took the second dart and I threw it. Bull. Not a double bull, but a bull. And I started like, I was almost shaking. I was like, this is weird. I said, here goes. And I threw the last dart of the three. Double bull. That is three bulls and three darts. Now the pros, if you go on YouTube and you watch like the International Dart Championship, that's nothing to them. But to me, that was an absolute miracle. Divine intervention. I didn't throw those darts. The eternal consciousness of the universe somehow threw them and I merely got out of their way. I don't know. But that is so impossible if you've seen me play. And it would be like bowling, you know, where you're a you're a 115 average bowler and you show up and you put your goofy clown shoes on and you get your ball out your 15 pound Brunswick ball and you dry your hands over the little thing and you walk up there. And on the very first ball strike and then your second ball strike. And you sit down, and then you get up there in the second frame and you roll strike. Now you got a turkey, and then you got a next ball. You roll it strike. You've made a railroad. This is the only way, by the way, that a perfect game in bowling can happen. You must hit a strike on the first ball, or you're not going to have a perfect game. It strikes all the way. You know, it's like turtles all the way down. And that has happened a few times to me. Just that weirdness of it. Like, what? This is not me. I am not the pro bowler. There's no way. And you begin to talk yourself out of what's happening. And ultimately start throwing them in the gutter. And, you know, you crash at about 180 points or something like that. And then you're rotten the rest of the night. You're back to your old rotten self. And you might think, why am I even talking about this? Because as all things relate to bluegrass, well, this relates to bluegrass and musical performance. I have seen these sort of remarkable events occur in people who are learning to play, which is frankly all of us from top to bottom. But, you know, it's at different levels. I have seen these sort of spontaneous, genius, magical, apparently magical moments occur in people's performance. Either they're singing or they're playing for no apparent reason. It's like suddenly this, you know, this beam comes down from heaven and hits you in the top of the head and you don't even know what's going on. And suddenly you're playing rawhide like just, like no one has ever heard and you don't even understand why I've seen this happen in my students. I've seen it happen in myself. I embarrassingly put, I think, I think I put a little tape of me playing the fiddle. Do you remember that? I was talking about, I'm just going to take up the fiddle, you know, and I started practicing. I, I talked about this. It's been over a year ago. And The little tune that I've just was obsessed with learning is called make a little boat. And it's on a Kenny Baker record. I can't remember which one. Um, maybe, maybe Baker's doesn't, I don't recall the album, but it's, it's a tune called make a little boat. And the, a part is within my abilities. I mean, I can't play it like Baker. Trust me. And I think I demonstrated that by playing a little of it. Didn't I? didn't I embarrass myself like that? I think I did. I'm not above that. I'm sure I did. I probably embarrassed myself in some way on every episode. But anyway, I'm just working on the A part, you know, very little thought of the B part, because every time I attempted to even read the B part, it was very difficult, and I just couldn't play it. But I would struggle through the B part, you know, use of the little finger and uh, double stoppy type things. And, oh man. And uh, just the B part, but the A, you know, I'm getting better at the A, getting better at the A, getting better at the A, try the B. It's horrible. Well, I sit down the other day, pull the fiddle out, tighten a bow. And, uh, that was the first tune that popped in my head and at kind of a moderate medium You would call slow tempo. I just started into Make a Little Boat, A part. And I got to the B part, and I just kept going. And I played the entire B part. I'm not saying it was great, but it was the first time that I ever successfully even played the B part. And I was like, this is some sort of breakthrough event. Like See, I've told my students for a long time that what you're doing when you're practicing is training your subconscious. You're thinking now so that you don't have to think later. And then while you sleep and while you cut the grass and while you cook sausage and eggs, your brain is still organizing all that information that came in during practice. Which is why I've said many times... Make your best effort to play as perfectly as you can while practicing, no matter how slow you must go. Because the brain doesn't care how slow it is. What it wants is a series, or what you want, is a series of reasonably accurate representations of that which you would like to do at light speed. In other words, garbage in, garbage out. Quality in, quality out. So if you sit there and, you know, I, I talked about this in one of the episodes where, you know, let's say you repeat uh, any song, eight bars of some tune, make a little butt, eight bars and 50% of them, you hit, you did it pretty much right. And 50% of them were, there was wrong notes and bad rhythm and things like that. Well, you, what did your brain it doesn't even know your subconscious mind. What It doesn't even know what you're trying to do. You're doing so many different things. What should it retain? That's the principle here. So if you do 90% one way, the correct way, in time, correct notes, good intonation, good tone, correct bow direction, pick direction, all those little details that we stress over when we're practicing. If you do 9 out of 10 correctly, While you're sleeping that night, the brain goes, well, he only did, he did this crazy, weird thing only once. Let's just ditch that. It's obviously not important. The nine he did the other way must be, you know, the, the, the way. And so that is retained. That's why you, you practice attempting to play perfectly, regardless of the tempo. And you just continue that and you continue, and you continue, and you continue. And then suddenly, with seemingly no effort on your part, you throw three bullseyes. And you don't even know how it's possible. It shouldn't be possible. And then you get back in your own way again, and you start interrupting that flow. That flow that's coming from deep down inside that you do don't really have any control over. You only have control over it based upon the inputs you put in. If you put in good inputs and are patient, you will get good outputs. I know, it's mystical, it's weird, because the question is, why? So suddenly this remarkable event plays, like this lick that you've been having trouble with, suddenly you played it, and you're like, wow, I can't even believe I did that. And then you go back to your usual crappy ways of playing. This is the normal way. It isn't like you magically wake up one day and you are, you know, a top-notch professional player. It doesn't work that way. These little things happens in, in, in bits and bytes, you might say. You get little glimpses of the possibility. And those little glimpses of the possibility build your confidence in yourself. And also in your methods that you've used thus far to get to the stage where you are. And so you go, well, I guess it is working. I should continue. But why does it occur? When I threw the three bulls, or when I magically played the, uh, that lick, that sambush lick up the neck in Lonesome Fiddle Blues, at that one gig that it actually occurred, and that lick just rolled off my fingers. I talked about it in some of podcasts. If you may vaguely remember me talking about it. The question is, why did it happen? Was it your skill? Well, yeah. Or was it dumb luck? Just by accident, you did it perfectly. I mean, I've done that in bowling. By accident, got a strike. That's not the sign of a professional bowler. You know, (laughs) he accidentally got them all. Um, Is it some sort of like divine intervention? I leave that to your divine. You need to think about these things because all of those, your skill, subconscious programming, getting out of your own way, dumb luck, divine intervention. Those are actually all possibilities. So I just want you to think about that. And going back to the mushrooms. I was thinking about the mushrooms. I was just walking by it this morning as I was gathering my tools to record today. And I saw the mushrooms down there. I thought, well, I know what I can talk about. I'll talk about the mushrooms. (laughs) Um, And so the mushroom update is to the general public if i were to show you my my mushroom farm you would say nothing is happening well they look just like they did six months ago brad that, that's a heck of a mushroom farm you got going there <laughs> you know i could just see my friends i they, actually they've done that you know i'm showed them i've showed the guys my mushrooms they're like oh that that's interesting and you know it's and they're all thinking i can just go down to Publix and buy mushrooms I want, you know why go to this trouble Well, that's just like music. Yeah, you can just turn on the radio. Why go to all this trouble? Because you want to do it. And you wanna see the whole process happen. I mean, anybody can throw on a Tony Rice record or an Eric Clapton record. Well, I don't know if Eric Clapton today can play, but uh, that's a whole nother topic. Um, You can throw on your Tony Rice, your Sam Bush, your Grisman, and why go to all the trouble to learn how to do it yourself? think about that. If, if you know the answer to that, you, you probably don't even need to listen to this podcast ever. But the mushrooms, see what's, what's exactly like the human mind is that log with the sealed ends has been inoculated. And there's stuff happening inside that log that you can't see. There is stuff happening inside your mind that you can't see. We don't have a good window on our subconscious mind, except through dreams. And it's my theory that dreams are a little bit of conscious observation of the inner workings of the subconscious, going through the sorting and filing and calculating mechanisms while you sleep. Because... You would think you just, you know, dropped acid if you were constantly living in a dream state. I mean, not that I've ever dropped acid, Uh, but I think you get what I'm saying. Like psychedelic mushrooms or something, that's sort of how dreams are. They're very, very weird. And we only get glimpses of them. You know, we kind of become conscious that we're dreaming and and it's like super weird. And then we go back to sleep when that weirdness keeps going. And it's going and going, and it's sorting and dealing with all the inputs. How many times in a dream have you dreamed of something that you think, well, there was that thing I saw on the Internet today, and maybe maybe that's why I was dreaming about it. You know, inputs affect the dream process. So the secret, I think, this is my theory, is in controlling the quality of the inputs. You know, if you want to have nightmares, entertain yourself with, uh, like, oh, I don't know. You remember all these movies? They, they, I guess they still put about. out. I'm long since over-watching movies and TV and stuff, but, you know, things like Friday the 13th and Chucky, and, you know, you want to have bad dreams? Just fill your head with that garbage. You'll have... Your brain will try to process all that and it'll be nightmares. But, you know, if you uh, spend your time, I don't know, arranging flowers or painting beautiful paintings or playing, working on the tremolo on your mandolin, you're not going to have nightmares about that. And if you do, they're probably coming from your insecurities caused by the other inputs within your life. Like I might lose my job. Uh, How many times have I dreamed of being late to a gig? Countless times. Like, I'm just trying to get to the gig, you know. And, you know, in my life, of the thousands of gigs, I think I was officially late once. And I could see it. I could see them. They were setting up, and I couldn't get to them because of the traffic jam. But I could see them. And I made the first note of the first song by Miracle. But basically, I was 45 minutes late from the time I should have been there to set up and that has stuck with me so long that I often have that sort of dream it's in all sorts of variations it's it's never just that same event but this is what's going on in your subconscious so I guess my advice is patience diligence do believe that one day the mushroom will appear the little primordia will form on the outside of the log. One day I'm going to pull that burlap back. And I'm going to see the little primordial mushrooms. Little, little bumps appearing on the side of the logs. It's going to happen because it's already happening. I just need to provide the environment for it. And be patient and just keep on. And the mycelium, it's doing its thing. And I need to get out. I don't need to do anything to upset this. I need to let the process continue. I'm not going to like, oh, I wonder if I put some fertilizer on there. You know, that kind of idiotic thing. Or if watering it once every week is good, maybe what if I watered it every day? You know, sometimes you just need to get out of the way and get out of your own way. Let the process work. Try to filter out the garbage from your life. We don't need it. We don't don't need garbage inputs, whether you're practicing your mandolin. If you're going so fast that you're constantly making mistakes, you're putting garbage inputs in. Don't do that. Or minimize it. And when it comes to the rest of our life, if there are garbage inputs, try to build some filters. Cut them out. And uh, one day, you'll be listening to this podcast, and I will be telling you, about the mushrooms that I'm picking and eating shiitakes and also uh, the blue oyster. The last thing I'm going to go out with today and I'm going to close the show with a little music sample. And this is, it's a, it's a couple of things. Why am I doing what I'm about to do? They said it couldn't be done, but they didn't reckon with the mighty accordion band. Jackson and I okay my wife had an important zoom call and she's like at at four o'clock i need to be on this call can you make sure you keep keep the noise down or whatever you know don't be playing the piano and the banjo i said "Eh, me and jackson we'll just go to town we'll you know roll around go to some places and just kill some time and we'll you know we'll get out of your hair so we went and one of our first stops was at the salvation army and we're Digging through the books and records, all books, 10 cents. And I was like, man, people do not value reading anymore. Books, 10 cents. I can remember, you know, going to Goodwill and paying a dollar for a book. Now, 10 cents. They literally can't give books away today. Anyway, so we're looking through the records, record albums, the old 33 and a third RPM records. And we found... The greatest record I have ever seen. My my life is complete. All of my life goals have absolutely been fulfilled. Look on the show notes graphics for today's episode. Go to grasstalkradio.com. Slide down to this episode. And look at the graphic. Because the graphic is going to be the cover of this album. And it's... It's one of the greatest creations in human... I mean, human civilization has reached its peak. This, by the way, is a 1959 Capitol Recording. It's a high-fidelity mono record. And uh, its the title is... They Said It Couldn't Be Done. But They Didn't Reckon With The Mighty Accordion Band. This thing is... Is the crazy brainchild of a guy named Dominic Frontieri. Fascinating guy. You need to look him up. <laughs> Professional accordion player, uh, arranger, string arranger for all kind of TV shows that you saw back in the '60s. Um, movies, movie. Uh, he he was. They'd call him in to do these sweeping string arrangements and stuff this guy was a genius however he was sent to uh, prison i think for a year for scalping uh tickets to football games apparently he somehow he it was able to get a hold of sixteen thousand tickets to some nfl football game and scalped them and uh anyway he was sent to prison for a year for uh uh lying to the irs for failing to report the income from scalping tickets. But anyway, after that little episode, that little minor episode, and I can understand, the guy needs to eat, you know, when you've based your life around um, the accordion. <laughs> of course, you know the accordion was used in a lot of uh, movie and film scores and things like that. Very, very, uh, it's, it's an underrated instrument. And I guess the reason I relate to this so much is because the banjo and the accordion have the same bad rap. You know, every banjo joke you can just insert accordion, they're the same jokes. And yet, just like the banjo, the accordion is a real musical instrument. And this guy put together an orchestra of 20 accordions with harp and other instruments. This thing is fantastic. You, well, I'm going to play you one. I'm going to play you one song. I'm going to play you the Scherzo. And this one was written and arranged by Dominic Frontieri. So uh, the, the jacket is insane. The back of the jacket, I'm not going to read it to you. You're going to have to go find your own copy. We bought this record for 10 cents. And I think that it is... You can't just constantly listen to bluegrass sometimes you need to listen to the mighty accordion band so take it away dominic oh by the way on the front cover go look at the show notes you'll see the front cover you will see a gorilla seated in a chair playing the accordion and on the back are one two three four five six seven eight nine ten more photographs of this uh, guy in a gorilla suit monkeying around with an accordion And I thought it was so funny. Over one of the pictures, he's doing various antics. He's sitting there looking at it. He's in a chair. He's standing. He's doing various poses with the accordion. And in one, the accordion is on the ground at his feet. And he's taking his chair and he's holding it up like he's about to smash the chair onto the accordion. And this was the pure gold of finding this album. Right beside that little picture of the gorilla about to smash the accordion it's only about an inch and a half high a little black and white photo in pencil right beside it whoever owned this record wrote the word no (laughs) the person that had this record dearly loved accordions and this it just was upsetting apparently to him to see the gorilla about to smash the Eldorado accordion and they just wrote the word no and we jackson and i noticed that on the on the ride home and i said here's the second punch line no not the chair anyway here's the mighty accordion band y'all have a uh, wonderful week or etc and uh get out there and pick practice shoot three bullseyes miracles do happen folks